You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bill Kinkevich, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. And welcome once again to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Moon Knight, episode 3A, covering a period of Moon Knight from 1982 to 1983. Um, I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I am your Moon Knight host, Eric Findlay. Eric, what issues are we talking about in today's episode? We're covering from issue 24 up to issue 30, which uh, covers off the end of um, Doug Mensch and Bill Sienkiewicz's run. Now, it's it's actually just Bill Sienkiewicz's last issues that we'll talk about because Doug has a couple more just after right. Bill leaves, but his end is pretty soon coming to an end as well. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. Now, this now 24 to 30 is only six issues. Um, but Moon Knight was it, it was like a thirty issue a thirty page book. So these are longer stories than usual. Uh, so it takes up you know it, it is half of this epic collection. Yeah, and and in addition, it also has um, or they, these issues also had special editorial features and kind of things that we can talk about as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mentioned it already. This is an epic collection. This is the third Moon Knight epic collection called Final Rest. And Final Rest takes its name from an issue we'll talk about in the next episode. Well, this is an interesting time, I think, for Moon Knight. It's uh, we've seen him as kind of a he was he was a villain when he started off. He was sort of an uh, adventurer superhero, and in this volume, especially starting out at the beginning here, he is way more of a just a cipher almost, or like a um, a character that comes in. Uh, to be a backdrop for another person's story, I think. Right, and then just sort of like wrap it all up. <laughs> yeah, so like he he's he he takes the back seat almost to a lot of these these stories. There are some of them where he is the focus character, but a lot of the times it's like let's talk about that guy that's doing something bad. And really focus in on that. And then Moon Knight comes in and kind of, yeah, cleans it up. Yeah. Um, like you said, you know, he starts off as the villain. And then we see that uh, the, the fix for that is that he was like, you know, just pretending. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he sort of went through a period of like the vigilante. This It's mentioned in, in one of these issues. He was a mercenary. Yeah. Right. And then he was sort of an anti, anti-hero. Yeah. I think part of the backseat in this is he's really struggling to figure out who he is and what his role is. Yeah, that does come up in a lot of the, the stories that we're going to talk about today of his role. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just such an odd thing. Moon Knight, and in Doug Mensch's interview that I did with him about Moon Knight, and you can listen to this, uh, maybe I'll put in a clip here. He, No, actually, I won't put a clip in because I think I put the clip in one of the previous <laughs> episodes. But go and listen to the interview if you haven't already because it's great. Um, he talks about how when when someone suggested, hey, why don't we do Moon Knight? He's like, Moon Knight? Really? 
And I think that just kind of stuck with him. He didn't really know what to do with Moon Knight. And so he's tried a bunch of things. And now the series is very close to coming to an end because it wasn't a, a strong seller, probably because we didn't have a strong identity for the character. <laughs> I say identity, but like yeah. multiple identities. But <laughs> but overall, the, right. the series identity kept changing and maybe couldn't grasp uh, well, the and, reader as much. And, and in addition, um, there's a lot of influence still on Moon Knight in his origins in the horror comics. Yeah. And this is the 80s. Horror comics aren't really a thing. Um, they're, they're not really a, a popular thing. This is the age of like the Avengers and and the, the big heroes. Um, yeah, yeah. Moving toward the 90s, like, yeah. which it really explodes in the 90s. Yeah. And so, and so I yeah. think people are starting to get out of that. And so, of course, you know, the horror book's not going to sell well. <laughs> uh, and I, I wonder if a lot of it has to do with Bill's art, as awesome as it is, is it getting is so more awesome. and more abstract as we go along. Oh, it's and I, very abstract. And I don't know if that <laughs> alienates people who latched on to his, uh, his Neil Adams clone kind of stuff at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just getting further and further away from it. Uh, personally, I think that these issues we're talking about are probably the best issues out of the entire Moon Knight series. Like there is some fantastic stuff here. Very, very impressed. Um, it just, the series I think is getting better and better as it goes along. And unfortunately, I think it, it happened to fall victim to the fact that it just didn't have a proper identity. And, you know, as much as they've tried in the recent comics to give him more of a stable identity through his psychosis and yeah. uh, uh, mental uh, instability and that kind of thing, he's still not known as a very strong character. Yeah. And, and so he also has had very short run series and they keep bringing him back for another one. You know, he's, he's good enough to sell a, you know, 25 issue series or something like that. And then they, and then they cut it and they leave it for a bit and then they bring him back for another, you know, 15, 20, 25 issues. And every time they bring him back, they feel the need to reinvent not, him. Not necessarily the newest ones. Um, there's, there have been some small reinventions, but most of the stories have actually continued on from where the last one left off. Yeah, I guess I'm mostly thinking of is it Lemire who has the Moon Knight that doesn't have the cowl? He has right, like the, the, the Mr. Knight. Mr. Yes, Knight, yeah. yeah, yeah. One more thing just to mention about the, the new series is that he's actually featuring right now in the Avengers as the right. antagonist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Going back to his villain roots. Well, it's uh, it, it's very strange because they put this story right after a, a uh, story. No, after a Captain Marvel story. Oh yeah. Over in Captain Marvel, where Captain Marvel is being influenced by a villain, and and she needs to like defeat all of the Avengers in order to like appease this person, and so she's like fake defeating them just to like <laughs> you know yeah. hold them over. This is a little different. He's not fake defeating the Avengers. He's actually full on like defeating the Avengers and using like um, Egyptian magic to steal their powers for some greater good that's out there. Hmm. Yeah. But oh, it's okay. still the idea of like Avengers don't know why this person's attacking them and but they're attacking them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's head over to the internet and see what people had to say about this. I asked on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. If you search for Epic Marvel Podcast, you'll find us there. I asked uh, for some opinions on this particular volume. Didn't get really specific comments about the contents of this one. A lot of people just saying that it's like it's good stuff. Um, so one person with an account on uh, Instagram called Make Mine Moon Knight <laughs> says it's great. Love the epic collections for their full color. So rich and vibrant. And this one is great too. Has some great issues collected. 
a lot of greatness in that comment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just a note on the color. Yes, a lot of the times it is very full, vibrant color. But also, they've redone some of the uh, dotted gradients. I forget what you call those. but The, uh, the zipitone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've recreated some of those. And very, very nice effect from that. Yep, the reproduction is excellent in this. Sometimes these 80s or 90s books don't get the same sort of love as the Silver Age books get in their restoration. But Especially when these... it's not one, you know, one, not one of the top sellers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, this one's top notch. It's, it's great stuff. Uh, Cody is Rodeo says the whole run is great. Some of the best cover art of all time. Uh, and that's oh, yeah. true. This cover that's on the cover of this epic in particular is really great with the, that looks like a school child scribbling on it. Uh, that was really good. A lot yeah. of these covers are actually uh, Frank Miller covers. Yeah, I didn't know that, but there's a uh, there's an editorial piece in here about yeah. that, which <laughs> we'll, I thought we'll, was interesting. We'll yeah. get to that because oh, totally, yeah. I thought that was really interesting yeah. too. Uh, over on Twitter, Roy es Espino Sid, I guess, I'm not sure exactly, um, says the last numbers of Mention Sienkiewicz were the best of the run. That's the ones that we're talking about today. I really wish they had been on for one more year in this series. It's just to have mm -hmm. a few more classics to read again. Yeah, that would be really, really good. Uh, and one over on Facebook, um, Again, not a whole lot of comments specifically about this volume. And Travis says, I'm lucky enough to own all three Moon Knight epic collections. Each epic is better than the last. And he says, I'm lucky yeah. enough to own because all three of these Moon Knight epic collections are, have, have sold out. They're all gone. Everybody's buying them. I don't, I don't oh, know if it's because this, the print run is smaller or what, but uh, they're gone and they command no, some no, pretty high prices on the And, and no, no plans to reprint or anything. Well, not that we've heard. Yeah. Well, hopefully. And I imagine that because Moon Knight has a Netflix, not a Netflix series, a Disney Plus series coming yeah. up, that they will probably reprint these at that time. I can't imagine yeah. them not capitalizing oh, totally. on that. <laughs> yeah, they, they do it with all the other things. Um, yeah. Even uh, you notice they have... Um, Marvel puts out the True Believers dollar issues yep, reprints, yep. and those are always right in line with whatever movie or, or whatever is coming out. Yeah. Uh, with, with the Moon Knight sh uh, TV show, I hope that they really um, uh, rely on his multiple personalities and do a really good job of that because um, you look at how they treated Legion in the, the uh, FX Legion series. Yeah. Right. And that was really well done. And it was... Um, it was true to the character in a lot of ways, and it was uh, integral to the storyline, and it was fair representation of mental illness, and I think it was uh, um, promoting the need for care for people with mental illness. And I think they could ha have a real good opportunity to do the same thing with Moon Knight. Have you seen Split with Michael Fassbender? I've not seen that yet. Oh, well, I, um, I've seen little bits of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing yet. It's fantastic, and it, it doesn't treat the mental illness pro like the like the care for it, like like you're describing with with Legion but just the portrayal of it and Michael Fassbender's amazing mm -hmm. amazing ability to step into all of those different roles there's like a dozen of them it's absolutely fantastic and I would love to see this like they're gonna have to great find a great actor who can play Moon Knight Mark Spector Jake Lockley and Stephen Grant mm -hmm. like all yes. separately and yeah. I think that'll be great yeah yeah well thank you everybody for your comments and uh, let's get on with our show okay <laughs> The first issue we're talking about is issue number 24. It's called Scarlet in Moonlight. And in this one, we see the return of a character that we've met before, Stained Glass Scarlet, whom I didn't realize that that was 
kind of actually her name, but apparently yeah. <laughs> it is. Yep. Uh, and she, she was she was uh, from uh, Moon Knight fourteen. That's right. Yeah. And uh, that one was mostly about her son uh, Joe Mad Dog uh, Fascinera, and uh, he goes on a hunt for his dad's uh, stolen bounty. Then that was a great issue. That was a really good issue. Yeah, it was a great issue. And this one is good too. And the the mom stained glass scarlet now uh, is taking. She's she's kind of gone a little mad. And now she's going to take out Manny Syndrome, the man who got her son addicted to heroin and sent him on his downward spiral in the first place. Yeah, which led to him going to jail, which led to him coming back and trying to find his dad's uh, stolen cash, which led to her needing to kill him. Right. Yeah. So it's it's very twisted, but this yeah. one was a great issue. And just right off the bat, what a way to open this epic collection too! Is like that huge splash page where she's taken out all of the bad guys. No, actually, the first splash page where it's her superimposed over this like alleyway. But even or before that, this is an excellent cover. Oh yeah, you, you look at um, how her dress really just blends into the like the negative space of the background. Yes, that's true. And it's all one color. Oh. So good. Yeah, you can really see that um, Sienkiewicz has really ramped up his style here. Um, he says that uh, I have a little clip to play, actually, of him talking about uh, about the evolution of his style, and I'll play it in here. The big change for me in terms of pencils and changing my style and getting better was when I was also I was doing Moon Knight, and I was asked if I wanted to take on again with Doug issues of the Fantastic Four. Right. And um, it was just too good. It was just too good to to say no to. I mean, I was I was such a huge Fantastic Four fan, but it was uh, it was fine. It was because that was actually Joe Sinnott's book. I mean, I was sort of coming in there doing a, you know a, filling a slot. I mean, Doug and I weren't really allowed to play with any of their sort of main characters, like not, no Doctor Doom, no you know you know the, the Red Ghost or any of that stuff. Really? It was just. We had to come come up with our own our own bits and characters that sort of uh, you know. But we were we were a placeholder, I think, between uh, for until John Byrne finally came on. But it was still a lot of fun because I learned so much uh, doing Moon Knight and the FF at the same time. Um, it was an incredible amount of work, but what it did was it stopped me from being precious about rendering. It actually forced me to uh, kind of just think about shape and placement, storytelling, and like I didn't, I didn't have to do all of the things, you know, rocks on his on his figure. I could just do the big shape of thing with you know with his brow, or if I did uh, the, the Human Torch, I didn't have to draw all the lines of his flame. I could just sort of make you know, do a silhouette, uh, you know, an outline of a figure, and he would go in and, and just add all of the uh, the embellishments. Right. It left me free to concentrate on other aspects of comic storytelling. And that was a big, you know, turning point for me was, uh, you know, you know, became like everything I think in, in whatever we do, it's all, it's all incremental. And, you know, I think for any artist or writer, they have a certain point where something will click in, you know, that they realize that might, what might've been a, a very difficult position because it certainly was, I mean, the workload was, was insane. Um, you know, doing two monthly books, yeah, uh, penciling two monthly books, but one of them was more of uh, breakdowns. Right. But um, when I when I finally stopped working on Moon uh, on BFF and just concentrated on Moon Knight, that was when I really, you know, wanted to do all my own inking, and that's when it kind of 
the last, I don't know, 10 issues, each issue from issue to issue sort of uh, blew up in terms of, of, you know, really, really wanting to stretch things. Because, at that, because by that point, I'd gotten so much of the uh, Neil Adams clone, you know, negativity or like, you know, uh, that it really forced me to kind of decide whether I was going to continue doing comics. Yeah, so I, I mentioned that the the title page, yeah, where the the writing is spelled out in the blood underneath, and you get got the like the the splatter that you use that you make with like a toothbrush, um, that yeah. kind of thing is it's yeah. just it's a remarkable cover. Uh, by the way, you didn't mention it. Uh, the title is Scarlet in Moonlight. Oh, did okay. No. <laughs> I thought I did. Anyway, what I really noticed when reading this is now we have less narration, less talking, fewer words on the page way more room for the art to breathe. And Doug can be a very wordy guy. If you read, you know, like Master of Kung Fu or Werewolf by Night and stuff, like he can get very, very wordy. But he's changed the way he writes. And I think it's because Sienkiewicz is, he just wants the art to show the, all of the action. Yeah, I felt like, um, and we'll get to these ones later, um, 29 and 30 were a lot wordier, um, partly because it's gone back to the, the like a more narrative style. Yeah. But um, yeah, in these early ones, in this uh, book, there's so much space. Right. And there's a specific reason why he does that in 29 and 30. We'll talk about that when we get to that issue. Yeah. Uh, I like the contrast between, and they make the, he, Doug makes a mention of it in the narration somewhere, that Scarlet is the devil and Moon Knight is an angel. And there's, there's the contrast between the, the light and the dark. Yeah. Kind of there. So they're playing with those themes. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so as I was reading this, I was noticing on page 20 when he comes home and um, he and Marlene, as they often do, are talking about their, um, uh, you know, his personalities and she's never sure which personality he is. Yeah. And I was thinking it's interesting because at this time, like through throughout Moon Knight, he's had three personalities, Lockley, Grant and Spectre. Um, and then Spectre is sort of the personality that um, puts on the costume of, of Moon Knight and becomes Moon Knight. Um, and then in the uh, modern comics, it's uh, more that Moon Knight is its own separate personality. But then but then the interesting bit is that in one of the editorial pieces uh, coming up in a couple issues, Denny O'Neill actually says um, from his point of view that there are four personalities, even in these early issues. I, I think so, too. And and they deal with that, especially in one of the, the backup stories yes. a little bit later, they'll deal with yep. that specifically as well. Yeah. There's kind of a, and this is one of the things about the, the lack of identity, I think, is that they keep changing. Doug keeps changing, you know, which one is in control or right. or which one is the, the prime or which, yeah. or even if he, if it's, if it's a, if it's an actual disorder or not. Right. Or, yeah, and and, uh, and and so that's sort of the evolution of the character that never really settled by the time this series ended was um, the issue of is it an identity or uh, is it a, a condition or not and how many personalities are there and, and that kind of thing. Sometimes it seems like he's able to switch at will. Sometimes it seems like there are particular triggers. Sometimes it seems like whichever one happens to be a little more dominant sort of pops out. Yeah, it's, yep. it's kind of strange. Really, I think that the the best thing about this issue is the artwork. I just there's so many instances of amazing uh, composition and amazing unique ways to tell the story through this whole through this whole entire issue. And if you go to the one, two, three, the third page where Scarlet is aiming her crossbow at the the guy that the guys that she's about to kill, and how you have the one bigger panel 
with the red ceiling to really highlight that like this is going to be an intense moment. And then you have the skinny panel and on the side um, and the crossbow is not centered in that panel. You can see the, the crossbow fires and you, the, there's the red streak that goes down the panel. It's pretty much and, to the left on the left side. Of and that the panel. guy isn't centered either. Yeah, you only see his you only see his hand. But I like the way this whole panel flows because you you're kind of forced because you can see the whole page and it's only two panels. You're kind of forced to see both of them at the same time. So as you as your eye scrolls down the panel, you see the arrow progressing. Yeah, you yeah. see the, the pointing at the person and it firing at the person at the same time. I think that's kind of a cool thing to see. And then if you flip a few more pages to on page 11 in the Epic Collection, um, where Moon Knight is chasing down Scarlet and it's like underneath a um, some sort of like a... Viaduct or something. Yeah, underneath yeah. a viaduct or some sort of overpass. And most of the panel is black. There's so much negative space there. And, uh, and you only see the little bits of light from where there's cutouts in the concrete. And I'm sure a lot of it is Bill leaving room for the words, but the letterer decides not to put the words in the big black space. <laughs> he p puts them up in the top corner and just below where the action is, uh, leaving the big black space to speak of how dark this place is and, that Moon Knight and, is running and like, into. And lonely. There's nobody else yeah. around. And it also, by, by putting the um, the speech near where the action is, it draws our eyes to where the action is. Right. Yeah. And that's probably a good thing too, because yeah. um, it could get lost. But but yeah, there's just, there's stuff like that but all I, throughout this book. Yeah. I was going to mention particularly um, the page before that, first of all, in the top left corner, so this is page 10, Yeah. just the angle, the perspective of that... Um, uh, first panel where <laughs> yeah. Moon Knight's jumping down. And then if you look at the bottom panel, if you look at Moon Knight and also particularly on page uh, 16, Moon Knight is also drawn using a lot of this negative space and just the the, the black. It's right. not like it's yeah. gray with outlines or or anything like that. It is, it is solid black. And then you, he puts in little bits of white. Now go back to that page you're talking about before uh, where, 10, yeah. where Moon Knight is jumping down and his cape really is a crescent moon yeah. which bill does often but look at the uh look at the placement of the word balloons around that mimic the curvature of uh, of the crescent moon um uh cape right and also just the and that leads into this guy's head right, which so is at follow, the angle you, of the same the same kind of curve right so you follow the the, the curve around his cape yeah. as you follow the words yeah i didn't know and that. we have double perspective in this one as well uh because you can see the blue buildings in the background um are are the perspective goes down into right. the bottom corner yeah. but then the perspective of this other building is um totally different it's a cross perspective mm -hmm. and so we ha and that also adds to the curvature of the entire panel leading it from the top left corner curving down to where the the guy's face is uh, down in the bottom right corner so it's just a remarkable, so <laughs> remarkable panel. And we could go on and yeah. on about like every single page about this, and about this his, one issue. His non-standard uh, layout of panels and sizing and shape. And yeah. Yeah. And like there's one panel where there's like a, um, there's a, a negative image of one of a guy's face mm -hmm. side by side yeah. to, just to show kind of the good side and bad side yeah. and um, yeah, just, I don't know I, if we, <laughs> we could have a, an entire episode on this one issue. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. You should do an art class on this <laughs> issue. It's so good. Yeah. Um, every single page. 
But I think that we should keep on going because uh, I don't want to spend all of our right. time talking about this one issue. <laughs> um, just one thing I wanted to mention about yeah. this one is um, there's a conversation that uh, if you haven't read Moon Knight, Knight recently or, or maybe you've just forgotten, um, the, it seems kind of weird. And um, Moon Knight starts off with this, uh, this hypothetical, you know, what if somebody were basically good but had done something really bad and Marlene has this really bad reaction to that. Yeah, that's right did you th figure it out no so if you remember it, it, it points out here that they're getting ready for her brother's funeral or something like that her brother was peter and he oh, accidentally yeah. created the character morpheus That's in right. moon knight 12 and he died stopping morpheus in 23 right the issue just before the this. issue just before this yeah, yes that's right but it's been a while since i that, since we've I, read I, that I to go yeah. back and look at it again that's right yeah um so her brother is somebody who was basically good but did something bad and he just died Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That changes the 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 tone oh, of that totally, scene. Totally. And if I had been reading these in order, I might have picked that up a little more easily. But that bugged me. I'm like, why is she having such a reaction to this? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's really nice. Okay. Well, let's keep on going. Uh, what is the what's in the back here? Any bonuses in the back of this one? Um, no, but it's a it's worth mentioning. Each of these issues, um, and I'm pretty sure it starts in this in with uh, with issue 24. Each of these issues has a full page, almost like a splash page advertisement for the next issue. Yeah, it's that was on just... the back page, I think, on the back yeah. cover. Yeah, it's it's not just. Um, I mean, they've got the little next time blurb at the on the last panel, but um, I haven't seen this very often where they do like a, a full uh, ad specifically for that issue. Now, if I remember remember correctly um like moon knight is a direct market only book right now mm. and so it i don't think it had any advertisements in it which is why it could go 30 pages it was 30 pages and you have that you have that stuff like this as well and if you look at the bottom of the, the next page page 25 yeah there's a little um either the credits or uh, pa page 32 for the, the first page the cover page of 25 issue 25 right yeah. uh that is there's a little blurb of what, what happens what well, on the inside cover of these comics was you know a title page essentially uh, okay and so they yeah. included that in the epic collection the little blurbs oh. that they put in there right. um, without having to actually reprint the title page i was wondering about that but yeah say moon knight number 25 special double size issue which means it's 40 it's 43 pages wow but that's not double size because most of these ones i thought were 30 pages let me just see what was it? yeah the last one was 30 yeah um so not quite double size but double size in terms of a standard comic book this one's called black specter and this one is carson no knowles a new character called Carson Knowles returns from the war. I'm assuming Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam. Yep. And he to find that he has no life, he can't get back into his job. It's gone. He can't get like his wife is his, gone. His housing's gone. His yeah. house is gone. And, Everything is gone. And this is fairly typical for um, uh, for war vets of that time yeah. um, because they were gone for so long. Yet life moves on without them. It continues. And and not only that, but there's also the PTSD that comes with yep. being in war and stuff. So like he, this guy is having a hard time, and he decides to take his life back by becoming mayor because his father, his father was, was a politician, was a politician, yeah. and he had some money and influence. So he's following up on that, and he's basically the antithesis of Moon Knight. Um, he, he he also comes up with a a dark persona then calls himself Black Spectre which is yeah definitely just opposite of Moon Knight yeah he's like Moon Knight is white like a ghost so I will be a specter that's black <laughs> 
And, and so this was a really, and this is one of those issues where it's like this, the focus of the story is really about Carson Knowles and his rise to power and how he's going to take over and corrupt the city and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Moon Knight just kind of uh, follows, he gets led along and is along for the ride. Yeah. We don't follow Moon Knight really tracking down the Black Spectre. We follow the Black Spectre and then Moon Knight shows up for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I found really interesting is there's a scene where Carson goes to a bunch of his dad's old uh, politician buddies and you see them talking and one of the guys says, don't worry about the black vote. If we have to, we'll redistrict the whole lousy city before the next election. (laughs) And that is so relevant. That is happening in America today um, where they call it gerrymandering, uh, where districts are reshaped to the most ridiculous shapes so that no one group is represented largely except whoever's designing the gerrymandering. Right. Yeah. Um, And actually, there's somebody out there who made a font um, out of actual gerrymandered districts. (laughs) So you can find the shape of any letter somewhere in America. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I want to point out some art, uh, of course, in these, these ones here. If you go to page 39... Of course, the huge splash page oh, yes. where it's, this is the first unveiling of Black Spectre in his costume. Yeah. But more, you, more you of that little toothbrush um, stuff there. Yeah, paint splatters paint and stuff. Splatter. But you can't get a good look at the costume. No. I was like, this is a, such an interesting choice. It's the big reveal of this guy's awesome costume, but it's in the shadows. It's obscured. You can't really tell. All you can really see is that he's got like a, a mace and a morning star. Yeah. And if you look at um, like the the red highlights, the red outlines, you can kind of get an idea of what it looks like, but uh, you don't really see it. I don't. I don't know that we ever really get a, a great look at it. Yeah, and then you turn the page. And you have, boom, part one, first clash. And there's like, that reminds me of like something Tarantino would do in his movies, like yeah. abrupt scene change and like a big sign right in the front that says new scene or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever it now is. Now we're somewhere else. Yep. So that was cool. And then last one here, if you go to page 42, this one. Yeah. So page 42, look at the color tones in this page. It's all blue and magenta, like cyan and magenta. Mm-hmm. It's really cool that the they've used a very, very limited color palette for this one page to, to really emphasize Black Spectre. Um, and then if you go one page further, um, Moon Knight comes in to save the day. And he's in white and everything else is still blue and and magenta. In fact, he busts through the very last panel and it's like all magenta, this one. Uh, And so they do these kind of things a lot uh, through this issue is really, really play with the color. So if you go go back to that page that said part one, first clash, that one is full of greens. Right. greens greens and yellows as like that's it's very interesting to they're they're really playing page by page with very specific almost monochromatic color Mm. schemes yeah oh that's neat i didn't notice that and i i'm not sure like does it credit the colorist here or maybe bill's doing his own colors um the credits are on the front cover because they're not built into the issue here yeah uh christy shield oh yeah okay yeah so she's the regular colorist on this book actually and so i don't know if i don't know if she's getting any direction from bill or leaving or bill letting her do whatever she wants but it's it's an interesting choice thought that was quite neat another interesting point here is uh marlene wants to leave steven at the beginning of this issue yeah but she is mentally unable to do it she's she's just she 
can't help but stay. And and Stephen Grant is like oblivious to it all. And he's yeah. like, no, I just need you to help me with one more thing. Can you go undercover and do this yeah. for me? And she does it. Like, I mean, I, it seems like she recognizes this is not a healthy relationship. Um, not that it's like abusive necessarily, but it's just like she's not an equal part of this relationship. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so she's finally gotten up the courage to have this conversation with him. and He keeps brushing her off. Yeah. And then when they finally do have the conversation, she actually says, I need to leave now or I'm not going to be able to do it, which is which is amazing. And, that, and that's really, really bold there. And 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 she's almost at the door, but she agrees to do one more thing for him. And I wonder if Stephen knows like if if he knows that and is purposely asking her to do something because he know she knows that she'll stay and like and that's um, maybe and like uh, if you go to the end of this issue where is the end issue if you go to the end of this issue you don't really like she comes back to him but you don't really get an explanation a, a full explanation of why yeah um somewhere along the way she kind of realizes the importance of the work that that he's doing because part of what exacerbated this was the multiple personality thing right and um but also that she thinks he's getting crazier because he thinks that this guy running for mayor is this big supervillain right and then she finally realizes that he actually is and so then okay well that takes care of that part but there's still the relationship issue <laughs> yeah. where there's still the multiple personalities and you're still not treated well and, yeah. and that kind of thing yeah. so yeah i mean and it's yeah. such a weird relationship she just it sits is. in the mansion all day <laughs> until and, until he needs her and or yeah until he comes home and like she doesn't do anything no she doesn't have a job she doesn't have any purpose to she doesn't have any friends there. that she, she goes has no, hang, yeah, yeah right no friends <laughs> it's so strange yeah um and it's not like, yeah. like like i said it's not an abusive relationship where he doesn't let her have friends or doesn't let her out of the house or anything right. like that she just doesn't she, she just, just doesn't <laughs> so weird um yeah speaking of of uh moon knight and the psychology i can't like moon knight is beaten in this issue like physically yeah because of his shadow which is black specter but also mentally because he can't convince anyone of the truth that yeah. this guy is the mayor right um like so it and that and i think that really is part of his downfall he loses his confidence and therefore he can get beaten by black specter mm-hmm uh, physically, that is. Right. Uh, and it's not until Marlene comes in at the end with actual proof that he kind of straightens back up and and, and has his confidence back and kind of is like, okay, now we can go on. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the um uh a lot of the shots of him like he's just slumped over. Yeah. And uh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I love it. Th- this issue had strange pacing. It was like there were no breaks. Mm-hmm. It was constantly like um really really quickly moving from one scene to the next uh in a rapid succession without giving you a chance to breathe like one thing happening after the other and they're very yeah. different scenes there's like yes. there's the the uh black specter's goons and then there's like the um the politician guys and then there's uh Marlene and and there's Moon Knight yeah yeah, it just kept on going and there was very little narration to string them together. The yeah. only scene change you would get would be like later or something like that. Or, you know, it wouldn't be the type of like, meanwhile, let's check in over here on Moon Knight and who's, or Stephen Grant now enters a hotel room. And, right. you know, yeah. n- none of that kind of stuff. None of it. It's so sparse and it made this issue very, very compelling, I thought, yeah. because of that. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It's okay. different. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, so we have a couple of um, uh, editorial inserts in this issue. The first one is um, called A Tale of Three Covers by Bill Sienkiewicz. And uh, this really kind of threw me when I started reading it. <laughs> it's really, really well written. It is very well written. And and you start reading it and you're like, man, Bill really hates Denny. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how this got printed. He's casting him in such a poor light, yeah. really making him seem like some sort of fascist uh, editor. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, the idea is that Denny says, well, Bill, why don't you take an editorial section to just, you know, uh, to give you a little bit of all aspects of the comic uh, so you can get that sense and also you can communicate some idea that you want to communicate. Just don't make me look like a bad guy. Is literally <laughs> what he says, yeah. That's literally what he says. <laughs> and then so he just ramps it up. But anyway, the idea is there were three covers that Bill made for Moon Knight that got axed at the last second. And he's going through the reasons with Denny as to why they were were um, why they were uh, not approved. It's a really, really interesting behind the scenes look at how comics are made. Yeah. And, and like to Denny's credit, he every single one of his reasons is absolutely correct. Totally valid. Yeah. And like, and I'm sure Bill learned a lot about building a cover uh, from these three covers here. Like, it, yeah. And it really shows. It's yeah. very, very neat. And it might also give you uh, some insight as to why certain covers are just done by a random artist. Yeah. Uh, because because <laughs> they just happen to be there. Yeah. So in two of the cases, um, they're like, well, I don't have time to have you make another cover, but Frank Miller's right here. So we'll just get Frank Miller to do it. And then the last one is like, well, Ron Wilson and uh, Dave uh, Simons are, they just happened to walk in, like literally just happened to walk in. So like, hey, you two guys, make a cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And they did it. And, you know, we mentioned that Frank Miller does a a bunch of the covers here. I'm not a huge Frank Miller fan um, some of his stuff is great and some of his stuff is really not great. And mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the covers that he does. Um, but the composition is fine. The composition works well. I just don't think that they're as well drawn as they could be. Yeah. So the first one is for uh, issue number nine and I can see how it encapsulates what Denny was looking for. Yeah. But I really like Bill's cover. Right. Definitely and, Bill's just looks better, yeah. but it just doesn't work because of the trade dress. Yeah. The second one was for issue 12, and I actually really like that one. I think that one's really good. Yeah, that one's okay. Uh, I'm not really impressed by the issue, uh, the cover for uh, 13 that uh, that uh, Ron Wilson and Dave Simons did. Oh, yeah, the one with Daredevil on it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's just kind of bland. You can, I think that one you can see that it was rushed. But yeah. Frank Miller does a few covers in here, including the one that's used on the back cover of the Epic Collection. And that Frank Miller cover is like, what's with the cape? I mean, I can see, I can see if you have a crescent-shaped cape and it's not flying in the air, that it would probably Maybe fall like that. Things. But, but it just looks awkward. Also because it's on the other side of the little roof that you have, um, it makes it look like it's got this weird axe-like shape. Yeah. yeah. What cover, what issue is this one? I forget. 27. Oh, yeah. Okay. Issue number 27. Yeah. Um, Yes. Look for it for yourself and see what you think. I just think that um, he could be stronger and I've seen him stronger. His work in Daredevil is absolutely incredible. Totally. Um, But it's not always 
the case. The the one place where I disagree with um with what Denny O'Neill was saying about the uh, about Bill's covers is on the one for issue thirteen. He was saying that it's too tall and that the title would cover up too much of the picture. Yeah. But you can see in this one that he's actually left quite a bit of space and put the title actually in the picture. Well, he's left the space because he's got a big ad for win a bicycle well, right, right. that has to go on but, top of that. But I mean, I think it looks I think it looks fine the way he has it. Yeah, they have a lot of space to put the ad up at the top. Right. And it's got the, um, he's already put the title on there to show like, this is where the title's going to yeah. go. So interesting to note that uh, it doesn't say this in this editorial at all, but Denny O'Neill eventually compromises. Because if you look at the cover to this issue, number 25, uh, it's a really, really fantastic cover from Bill Sienkiewicz, a lot of black space. And the composition is such that you, he had to put the logo smaller and off to the side. Yeah, because similar to what you were saying about the last issue, it's like there's just one panel that's really tall and skinny. Yeah. And if Denny had said, he could have easily said, Bill, your painting is too tall. I can't put the logo there. It'll cover it up. But instead, Denny decided to put the cover, the, the logo smaller and to the side, which mm -hmm. for comics at this time was something that you just didn't do. You didn't play with the cover like this. Yeah. You know, uh, if you're going to be selling it on a rack, you want it front and center big. Yep. Uh, and so this is the beginning of now Moon Knight has some more freedom on its covers. And mm -hmm. we'll see them play with the cover. They also lose the Marvel Comics group banner that goes across the top. Like we don't, we're not going to see that anymore, yeah. which automatically gives the cover more space. Yeah, they put it into a smaller box. Yeah. yeah. Um, also really interesting, uh, this one skinny panel on the cover here. Um, Black Spectre fits right in that panel. Yeah. But then Moon Knight is pushing through it and he's he's sort of like stumbling. Uh, it's like he's stumbling out of a dark alley or something. Right. Which is cool. really cool. Uh, We're into it. Yeah. yeah. You said there were a couple of editorials in this one? Right. So the other one, let me just get back to it here. Uh, the other one is a uh, a letter by, or an article, mini article by Denny O'Neill called The Thing Test. Yeah. And um, so Marvel has just move off, moved offices uh, into their uh, downtown New York kind of uh, uh, Manhattan office. And he's just describing the contrast between the suburbs and being downtown and how he thinks that it's a better location for Marvel um, just in general. And he really likes it because of what he calls the thing test. And that is what would the thing say about uh, <laughs> about living in this area so they before they were in a, quite a uh, uh well-off upscale white suburban neighborhood kind of thing and he's like the thing would be like look at all these rich people here and flashy cars and stuff and he'd have to be very careful where he walks because you know he doesn't if he damages one of their fancy cars then you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you know downtown it's like oh yeah you know th these are my people and <laughs> It, yeah, it's it's kind of just a neat look into um, what Marvel was up to at this time. I, yeah. I love these little things. Like you, you would get these in Stan soapbox or the bullpen bits or bullpen yeah. bullpen bulletins and all this. But yeah, it's nice to to get this, and it's really well written and funny from Denny O'Neill as well. He's a funny, funny guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and the artwork around it is cool too. Yeah, uh, by Marie Severin, I think. The, uh, this article is also where uh, I mentioned that Denny says that Moon Knight actually has the four personalities and that Moon Knight is oh, okay. one of them. Yeah. Okay, issue 26. Hit it. This is 
I think, my favorite issue of Moon Knight. Oh, this was so good. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a very interesting origin that I'll let uh, Bill Sienkiewicz explain. Um, and, and Doug Mensch. I'll let both Doug Mensch and Bill Sienkiewicz explain. Denny O'Neill called and said, listen, uh, Bill can't do... The, first of all, the Moon Knight book had more pages than Spider-Man or X-Men because it was uh, comic shops only and there were no ads in it, just house ads. So it was like, I I forget, 25 pages of story instead of 21 or whatever the other books were. Okay. Um, so he, you know, and if it takes you a day to do a page, I mean, you know, the month only has so many days. And, right. you know, he was, he just couldn't do it. And, so then he said, I, you know, I want you to do, uh, you know, uh, I forget what it was, a seven-page backup story. And then that's seven pages that Bill won't have to do in an upcoming issue. And then, you know, write one of the main stories to be seven pages less, right? Right. And I said, oh, okay. So I wrote this seven-page thing, and it was this little thing called Hit It. And it, it didn't have much of a plot at all. It was just a little backup story. Well, Denny O'Neill screwed up and sent Hit It to Bill for the next issue. <laughs> and Bill gets this thing and reads it. And he calls me up and he says, this is the greatest thing you've ever written. I know it says seven pages on here, but I, I, can, I can see how I could expand this with the with big panels and you know just make this a, a unbelievable work of art and you know i said whoa no no it's supposed to be a backup by some other artist and bill says i'm not giving this up <laughs> this, this 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 hits me where i live i've got to draw this and you know i'm gonna do it as 25 pages or whatever the hell it was wow. and and i said well I won't say anything, you know, I, other than, you know, that's supposed to be a seven page backup. I already told you that. And if you want to go ahead and draw it and do it that way, I won't say anything. Then you'll forget, you know. And so that's what that's what happened. You know, we talked about it some more on the phone and uh, uh, he took a seven page thing. I mean, I added a, a few things on the phone it can't just be that seven page thing expanded to 25. You've got to throw in a little more. And then he did, he did big panels and gorgeous visuals and so on. And it got, it was so late that I got a call from Denny. I got a call from Denny saying, I hate to do this to you. And this was when my parents were visiting from Chicago, right? And I was all set to take them out to see the sights or whatever. Yeah. Instead, I get this call. Can you come in to Manhattan today and sit here in the office and write the, you know, the dialogue for Bill's pencils so that I can get it lettered immediately and off to the inker? Otherwise, we're going to blow shipping. You know, we're just not <laughs> going to make it. I said, you got to be kidding. You want me? Please, 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 as a personal favor, you know. So I did, and I go in there, and I find in this little, like, closet-sized area with a Coke machine in it, there's a little rickety card table with a typewriter on it and a 
the most uncomfortable chair ever. And I've dropped my parents off at a Broadway matinee or something, right? Uh, you know, change of plan, mom yeah. and dad. We're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna go see New York today. And then I go to Marvel and I sit down and I write the whole thing before I have to meet my parents outside the Broadway show to go to dinner. So I wrote the whole thing in like, I don't know, four hours, five hours at most. (laughs) And, you know, in that stream of consciousness, you know, crazy, the jazzy style, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I I was reeling by the end of it, you know, constantly looking at the clock. Are my parents going to get lost or mugged or what? (laughs) And I just turned in the pages to Denny thinking, well, I don't know if this is any good. And and then, you know, Denny, I think he called me the next day and said something about, wow, this was really good. I can't believe you did this. And. In that time, you didn't do any of this at home, right? You couldn't have because you didn't see the pages till you got here. I said, no, I did it all next to the Coke machine. Yeah, that, that to me was like one story I wanted to plot. I, and I think I remember talking to Doug about just wanting to do a story that, you know, felt like it had some kind of, it was more about music. And I, and I think I also at that point, I was tired of the villain of the month. I found it much more intriguing to deal with subtext uh, and what, you know, what, mo- what the character's motivations might be. So, I mean, the whole idea of hit it for me was just that, you know, you can grow up in a really horrible environment, you know, not taking a, too much of a page from my own life and you can either put, turn it into art or make, you know, make lemon, you know, lemon meringue pie or lemonade out of the lemons, or you can go around and just be, you know, an asshole, yeah. you know, and make things worse. Which is, that was really the whole point, you know. But I mean, the way that Doug, Doug wrote it, um, you know, he really kept the, the whole beat aspect to it. And, um, and I remember uh, after all the sort of negative comments about, you know, Bill Sienkiewicz is a Neil Adams clone. It looks like he, he learned to draw from Neil Adams, period, to, um, uh, to you know, issue by issue sort of changing the style and make, going, going more abstract and darker and, and, you know, much more uh, experimental, um, you know, then when I would start getting phone calls from, you know, other professionals and from people outside of comics who were fans, um, that I realized I was kind of onto something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it sort of felt, it sort of felt good that you know, I was being tolerated at the very least, <laughs> you know, and again, that's where Ralph, Ralph really comes into it because Ralph was, we became friends, you know, working together. And then when, you know, when I started to push the, you know, the envelope a little bit with the later, the later issues, um, uh, I was certainly nervous. You know, I was afraid that uh, I was going to be shut down. But I, again, I, it, that what I kept coming back to is I'm either going to do this or I'm going to get out. At any point, I think, you know, Ralph or uh, Danny could have said, you know, this is, this is not working. But, um, you know, if anything, I mean, Ralph was certainly like, he loved everything I was doing. It's almost like we, it was almost a conspiratorial thing. It was like, let's push it. Let's push it. Let's yeah. push it. Longer story. Nice. This story follows a guy 
who is at work, he gets a mysterious or he sees something mysterious in the newspaper and just takes off. Yeah. And you see him sort of trying to to push his way through a crowd and he just starts losing it and, uh, and, and starts hitting people and you don't know what's going on. And throughout the whole thing, we get these um, panels of a little, uh, like a little kid's drawings. Uh, and they, you can eventually figure out that these are are drawings of a kid who's being abused. Yeah. And yeah, it's just really interesting how how it's laid out and how it's uh, how it's portrayed. Yeah. So this guy, his name is Joe. What he saw in the newspaper is that his dad died, mm-hmm. and his dad obviously has been abusive. Yeah. And he never got a chance to confront his dad about it. Right. Um, confront probably means he would have beat him up or ki- and killed him, I would imagine, based yeah. on his his reaction here. But you need some sort of closure with that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why this is coming out. These drawings, I think, represent a repressed memory. Mm-hmm. like Because he's repressed all of this over time. And that's why it looks like a kid. Because these are his childhood memories yeah. that are now coming up and bubbling out. And, he, and what it means is now he's just going around and punching people. He's hitting yeah. anybody who gets in his way. I really like the way that Doug um, plays at the beginning with the phrase, hit it. And Not just at the beginning, all throughout. Well, yeah, all yeah. throughout. Uh, there, there, there's just um, several different instances at the beginning, but all throughout, um, just the different ways that we use that phrase in uh, different uh, contexts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting is that he's got a couple of um, uh, caricatures of, of Louis Armstrong. Yeah. The, these first few pages, right off the bat, it's like the yeah. visual representation of music and rhythm that yeah. Bill's able to draw is yeah. absolutely stunning. There's such a vivid description and uh, picture on the first uh, page of, of the music that you can almost hear it in your head. Yeah. And just his amazing work with that drummer and the the visual of the drumsticks moving up and down really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely doing some sort of a role. Um, yeah, and just the band leader going, hit it! And, yeah. and like the seeing the baseball player, hit yeah. it, hit it! And like oh, there's so many caricatures, I think, in these first few pages yeah. of not, not just Louis Armstrong, but like the baseball players, the guitar players, yeah. like everybody. I don't know if it's supposed to be Cheap Trick or somebody, like the rock musician. Yeah, maybe. Or, yeah, I couldn't figure out who that was either. Uh, but it, yeah, just just stunning. If stunning, you know, let us stuff. know. Yeah. If you recognize some of these, because they're very clearly real people that he's drawing. And also talking about, yeah, drum beats. Um, and one of the, he says the drum beats blood red. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, the, the beat of your heart. Yeah. The drum kind of mimics um, your heartbeat when you're listening to music. And, and this guy is, his heartbeat is pumping a mile a minute because his adrenaline is going and he's punching everybody. And it's like, there's just so much, um, so much interplay with the phrase and how Doug ties it and weaves it all together. And especially how um, Bill brings it all to the forefront with his drawings. Yeah. And it's just a touching story too. Oh yeah. It's absolutely devastating. You, you really feel for this guy. And he, he yeah, it, it doesn't and, end well for and, him. And he breaks down in front of Moon Knight and says like, you know, just hit me because I'm not worth like, clearly I'm not worth anything except for being hit. Yeah. And and Moon Knight's like, I really like, I don't want to hit you. I, I uh, and But then, you know, he, he attacks Moon Knight. And so Moon Knight is forced to. Yeah. yeah. And that's an interesting moment for Moon Knight at the end too. Um, because he doesn't want to succumb to this. And this is one of the things about Moon Knight also is that people always compare him to Batman. Uh, Batman is just a more brutal character, I yeah. think, in general. 
Um, Definitely more in certain periods than others, but generally speaking, yes. And you know, yes, he doesn't use guns and stuff, but he's not afraid to use his fists. Right, and And he's not afraid. He's not afraid to you know throw a batarang and have it stick into somebody. Yeah, Moon Knight tries to refrain from that. And there's one issue later on that's written by somebody else where that doesn't come across. And I'll point it out when we get to it. Um, so it's really interesting that this was supposed to be a backup story yeah. because we do have a backup story in this one yeah. called The Cabbie Killer, written by Denny O'Neill and uh, drawn by uh, Keith Pollard. And I was not impressed no, with this story. Not at all. It, <laughs> it's it, such it, a letdown. It to actually the... kind of didn't even make sense, I no. thought. No, the exactly. There's, there's something missing. Like if they had put it as a main story, you could probably flesh it out a little more and maybe it makes sense. But uh, like, so there's this guy who's going around blowing up cabs. Yeah. And you find out that he's been, he, he's called the Commodore. He's dressed up like a, you know, a Commodore. And he's clearly been hired to take out specific cabs. And it's not until the end that you find out it's because uh some you know henchmen ditched some important evidence in one of these cabs and so they're just going to take them all out just yeah. to and, get rid of and, the evidence and they're like oh it must have been one of the ones that was being um worked on that day okay but you don't know that so you could blow up those three cabs and still not know that your stuff was you know and how do you know the stuff wasn't taken out of the vehicle right if they're cleaning and it like... maybe they took it out <laughs> And of course, one of them just happens to be Jake Lockley's cab. Of course. So that ties Moon Knight into it. But the thing in the end is we never, ever find out what that stuff was. What they had done wrong. Or, or yeah, what yeah. they or what they'd done wrong. Or like there's no resolution. Did they, did they actually blow it up? Did it blow up? Did they get the right cab or didn't they? Like there's no resolution at all to it. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it was kind of a mess. Uh, the art's pretty good, though. Yeah, it was... It, it, I, I tell you, being spoiled by Sienkiewicz before that, everything else just kind of fails in comparison. I mean, it's very, it's fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it, but it just doesn't hold a candle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, you, you've heard me say before on this podcast that um, I'm a fan of the the age of motion lines. Yeah. Um, I find that they help convey the motion a little better. Eh, sometimes Pollard goes a little overboard. <laughs> <laughs> you look at like page 104 and like every part of his arms and legs has a motion line and going into Right. direction yeah. <laughs> yeah okay well let's keep on going over yep. to issue number 27. 27 uh this one is called cop killer not to be confused with cabbie, cabbie killer, killer. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is moon knight goes after a guy who's killing dirty cops and basically that's the entire story um and it, there's a there's a lot of scooby dooness in this it's like yeah. you pull off the mask and it's like that's not who you you thought it was going to be and, right uh, and that kind of it, thing. It was a really good twist. I liked the twist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, this, what's interesting is that this um, entire issue is narrated by Stephen Grant. Yeah. I was going to make that point because I think that was the worst thing that they could have happened in this issue. Yeah. Because um, Stephen Grant's almost not in the story at all. Well, that's not the point. Well, that, 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 that's, that's part of it. My reason here. So this issue also is coincidentally written by Stephen Grant. This is a yes. fill-in <laughs> issue. And uh, Stephen Grant is an actual Marvel writer who just happens to have the same name yeah, as Moon Total Knight. coincidence. Um, when when Doug first started Moon Knight, Moon Knight and or none of the personalities were ever the narrator. And I right. think specifically because if you have one personality being the narrator, they are they the real ha- personality. Yeah, or they. But but the way that he's built this up is that um, when when Stephen Grant is Stephen Grant, he cuts himself off 
from all of the other personalities. Yeah. He can't talk to Marlene as Stephen Grant if he's dressed up as Jake Lockley. Right. So if you have Stephen Grant as the narrator, he can't be narrating anything that Jake Lockley is thinking or anything that Mark Spector is thinking or anything that Moon Knight is thinking because he's completely separated himself from those personalities. And, and this is where it starts to get messy, um, as we were saying before, between, you know, what exactly is his, you know, schizophrenia or dis, uh, dissociative identities or whatever, you know, how far does it go and, 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 and how is it defined? Yeah. Because in a later issue, he does have a discussion with one of his personalities. Yes. You know, he's Stephen yeah. Grant and he has a conversation with himself um, as um, uh, Mark Spector. Yeah. And and that is fairly consistent with um, with a lot of Moon Knight, with mo most of Moon Knight, I would say, um, including the modern stuff where one of them may be in control, but the others are aware of what's going on and they can have conversations with, you, with each other. But they are, but, but he still views it as having a conversation with a different yes, entity. Yes, exactly. Yes, they do still do have it as, an, as a separate entity who is having conversations. So if there was a narrative, it should be whoever the dominant personality is at that yeah. time. But this in this one, Stephen Grant is talking about it, but he's also talking about his buddies, like himself as other people. Yes. And that doesn't jive with everything no. else that Doug has done. Like, I'm surprised actually that Denny Neil would let that go. Especially because um, from that one editorial piece a couple issues ago, he clearly has a really good understanding of of this of multiple personality thing. Yeah, yeah, right. I think it just undermines kind of everything. It seems so out of place and I really didn't like it at all. Uh, but the story was, was fine. <laughs> yeah, like a couple of times I sort of had to go back and see, you know, who exactly is it that's narrating? Did it change to Jake Lockley? It's like, no, 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 it no it's still, it's Stephen, still Grant. Stephen Grant. Yeah. 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 Um, a couple of things that I wanted to point out here. Um, one of them, which goes to exactly what we're saying about Stephen Grant not really understanding Moon Knight. So this is on page 111. He walks into his house as dressed as Lockley. Um, and uh, so Samuels, his butler, says, you know, good evening, Master Lockley. And he he yelled at him and he's like, it's Grant. As soon as I walk through the door, it's Grant, nope, which is nope, absolutely nope, nope. not true. <laughs> That's and, not you know, how it works. He, he took off his fake mustache, but still he's wearing the rest of the clothes. So he should should be uh, Lockley. He should still be Lockley. Until he changes the clothes. Yeah. Which is exactly like specifically what is mentioned a couple issues ago. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Grant does not have a good handle on no. Stephen Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, one thing that I found really interesting is I, I think this is the first time it's really mentioned and I don't know exactly when this happened. But it seems that Mark Spector isn't really around anymore. Yeah. I noticed that too. They, he, they really try... Um, all of the personalities really try to not let Mark Spector out. Yeah. And I found that very interesting because I, I, I don't know when or why that happened. I mean, like, like it, the way they talk about him, you can get a sense of, of why they don't want him to take control. But it's never brought up, I don't think, in, yeah. in the comics. I'd have to go back and reread the last volume, I think. But I don't think it was mentioned. There. No, I don't think so either. It just kind of happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says, uh, Lockley says, there are times I wish I hadn't put Spectre away. And it's like, oh, oh that's, that's true. Uh, that's yeah. very interesting. We haven't seen Spectre. But we will see more of Spectre yeah. in the next issue. 
Yes. Um, because it deals specifically... Actually, it's not really Spectre still. It's Grant in the next issue, right? No, but well, we will see some Spectre coming up. Okay. Um, two last things that I really wanted to comment on. One is there's a small goof, page 113. Um, in the second text box, they accidentally <laughs> it give um, Fulcanelli two different ranks. They say, Lieutenant uh, Fulcanelli, Sergeant, third grade. Uh, and and there's uh, the other cop, his partner, who is not given a title at all um, or a rank at all. And then a couple panels later, you actually see the door and it has both of their names on it with the ranks going to each one of them. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's just it's just combined. <laughs> yeah, they, they just uh, goofed on the word order there. The other thing I wanted to comment on is uh, the kingpin is in this issue. Yes. And I think this goes back again to Stephen Grant not really having an understanding of a character. The kingpin uncharacteristically fully admits straight up to bribery and violence. And <laughs> and he would never do that. Right. Even if you like came to him with evidence, he would try to squirm out of that. He would not admit that he had done that. So I've, I found that very uncharacteristic for, for kingpin just to go, well, obviously I wouldn't kill them because I was bribing them. It's also interesting just to note that, that Doug tried his hardest not to let any of the other Marvel Universe into Moon Knight. He never wanted anything, like he didn't want this to be a superhero book. He yeah. very reluctantly put Daredevil in, in that other issue. Uh, and now we have a guest writer, and the guest writer is thrown in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, there is another um, editorial backup part to this. It's called Four Beautiful Copters, Count Them, Four, by Alan Zelenitz. And it just is a detailed um, very account. Detailed. Very detailed. Oh, man. Uh, account of the four different helicopters that um, Moon Knight has had from his first appearance where it was basically just a rented copter because he was, quote, faking being a villain um, to the, uh, the, the moon-themed ones uh, in the more recent issues. It has a cross-section of uh, the most recent Moon Knight copter. I love cross sections. Um, yeah, it's so fun. But the interesting thing is this guy has done his helicopter research. Yeah, really. Like it, it, like the, all the specifications are there. It's quite incredible. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's listing like model numbers and everything. It's crazy. Yeah. Very yeah, interesting. Listing the mile per hour and takeoff yeah. speeds and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's a uh, letter titled There'll Be a Hot Time in the Old Bullpen Tonight by Denny O'Neill, which is basically just um, uh, a big complaint about how hot it is. <laughs> I the, know. They the needed to fill one more page. Yeah. <laughs> the Marvel air conditioners are broken. And he's saying it's so hot there. Uh, good old Doug Mensch. He's in Pennsylvania. He doesn't care about this. Yeah. And, and uh, Bill, he's in Connecticut. And, you know, it's not hot over there. So he's fine as well. And we're suffering over here in New York. <laughs> it's 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 kind of difficult to read because he doesn't capitalize anything in this yeah, one. You're right. <laughs> uh, oh, except for Moon Knight and Cabbie Killer. Uh, there are a couple of things he uh, he puts in here, um, but he also makes the uh, the the comparison between Cop Killer and Cabbie Killer. Right. I, I find it very odd that they would put those in back to back issues. At least they weren't in the same issue. Yeah. He does tell us that this issue was done by uh, Steve Grant and Joe Brzezowski because um, Bill and Doug are, have been putting a whole bunch of time into the next two, uh, the next issue. Ah, yeah, that would do it. Yeah. So, and and I think it's, I think it's obvious. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There are a lot of it, uh, work has gone into issue 28 titled Spirits in the Sand. This one takes us back to the Middle East Sudan. to uh, get a little bit of um, history or to learn a little bit more about Khonshu and that aspect of Moon Knight. Now, it's very 
interesting to me again Bill or Doug is playing with Moon Knight's powers and stuff like there are some times where Moon Knight will say uh, the moon was at its fullest so I have the most power right now mm-hmm. uh, other times it, that doesn't seem to affect him at all he has like human level powers yeah and uh, in this issue he says like he's he's questioning Khonshu's existence yeah. he goes well if you know Khonshu does exist and he grants me powers great and if he doesn't whatever this whole issue I think was just to further the mystery as to like well does he have powers or doesn't he yeah because I don't even think Doug knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah it's interesting um my first recollection of Moon Knight was the Marvel series one trading cards which would have been 1991 yeah and it does mention in there that his powers um, are in flux with the phase of the moon. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it depends on who's writing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to point out uh, that when they're on the plane heading to Sedan, um, Marlene mentions um, with a name like Spectre, and especially after Sadat's waltz with uh, uh, Begin, I doubt if Sudanese customs would welcome you with open arms. And so I tried my best to look up what this could be uh, in reference to. And uh, it's in reference to Egyptian president at the time, Anwar Sadat, and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem uh, Begin. Okay. And um, I don't know exactly if this is what it's referring to, but the only real thing that I could find between the two of them is that um, in 1979, this is this is 83, and uh, back in uh, 1979... Um, Israel and Egypt signed a peace treaty, uh, which led to like establishing formal diplomatic relations in 1980. And then Israeli forces were occupying like most of the Middle East Sinai Peninsula area. And, and then they had just recently pulled back their forces out of that area to give it to Egypt in uh, 1982, April of 1982. Oh. So just about a year before this issue came out, that is probably what this was uh, in reference to. Right. Although, uh, Sadat was actually assassinated in 1981. Oh. So, like I said, I'm not sure exactly what specific event they were talking about. Right. But it's probably related to that issue there, that whole thing there. Uh, And then one mistake that I found in here again, right at the very end, um, right at the very end of this uh, issue, um, Moon Knight and Marlene are walking through the desert at night. And there's a little bit of a wrap-up paragraph on the right side. And then it says, and 5,000 miles away in the moon-washed gloom of the mansion foyer, a statue tells nothing. Except if it's if it's nighttime in Sedan, it's not also going to be nighttime in New York. <laughs> right. Maybe he's just got blackout curtains on or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Now, I interesting this I like this page, this very last page here where again a lot of black negative space yeah. showing the, the 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 night sky with no stars in it. Yeah, especially if it's an outdoor scene away from the city and stuff, he would normally do some paint splatter for stars or something like that. And normally also a person would put all of the the text that happens on the right column in little caption boxes kind of sprinkled throughout the page or something like that, right? Right. But instead, they've put it all off to the side so that we're not, so it's not disturbing the artwork. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Which is, which is really fascinating, again, because it's it's just black. It's just black. But it has, it gives more, um, more punch to have that big black space there. I was uh, a little surprised that 
Bill needed two months. I understand why he needed two months because this is 28 pages long or something like that. It's almost a 30-page story. So obviously, if Bill can't keep up with his regular gig, then he's going to need more time to do this issue. Yeah. Um, but the panel layouts and everything in it is fairly reserved compared to what we have been seeing lately with Hit It, with Black Spectre, with Scarlet and Midnight, uh, or Scarlet and Moonlight. Uh, this one is a lot more kind of just standard yeah and and even um just not not just the panel layout but the art is not nearly as detailed except for the like the cover um and actually the the preview from the last issue yeah no there's some really cool pages like oh totally but but nowhere near the 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 level of what we were seeing in um you know the return of the scarlet yeah there was an issue i think uh, one issue that i've you know, that sort of becomes like one that I, I gravitate toward in terms of uh, another one of those those life changing things where uh, it's the cover. The cover has Moon Knight fighting another guy with a scimitar in a sandstorm, and I think the interior uh, has Moon Knight going inside one of the pyramids, the crypt of Khonshu. And I ended up breaking my drawing hand during that issue. So there were a number of pages in there that that were just these big, simplified, like large areas of, of just black shadow and very little <laughs> oh, rendering. Really? Because uh, I ended up, uh, yeah, just I, I took my hand out of the cast to draw, and I, you know, I should never have done that. But the story was still interesting. It, yeah, it was neat to kind of get into the mind of 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 Moon Knight a little bit more. Um, Marlene is actually a bit of a character in this one. Yeah, she had a purpose. It was, yeah. it was like, I don't you know. Forget, you forget that she actually like is an archaeologist who worked with her dad. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. So she has a, a purpose of going to this thing. Um, I like the Indiana Jones reference with the, the big stone that kind <laughs> yeah. of slides after them. Um, and just the just getting back to that side, that side of stuff that really hasn't been touched since the first issue of the ongoing series. So that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. uh, after this issue, we've got a couple of um, pinup art. They're all pinups by a new artist at Marvel named uh, Kevin Nowlin. Uh, and he's pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's very good. He will be taking over uh, Moon Knight for Bill yeah. in a few issues. And this is which, kind of like... Which a, is probably why they did this. I think so. A little bit of tryout and also to ease the blow when uh, Bill... Because at this point, Bill knew he was oh, of course. he was stepping off. Yeah. Um, he, 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 after hit it, he kind of wanted to be done with it, but he stayed on for a few more issues and uh, we'll see Kevin Nolan do a backup issue in, in the next issue. Yeah. And then he'll, yeah, he'll come on full time in a couple issues from now. Yeah. And, um, you can see from these that, Hey, these are, he's, he's good and he can do Moon Knight. Um, his Moon Knight is definitely very different. He still does a little bit of that, um, like solid black, but there's definitely a lot more white visible. He's definitely a more of a standard superhero yeah. artist, right. which, yep. you know, we'll get into this next time, obviously, You're just flipping through like the visually, there's very much a shift toward the, the yep. more modern um, at the time oh, yeah. uh, art style. But I really like the cape um, on Moon Knight in this uh, in this pinup, the first pinup by yep. him. Looks good. Okay, right, we can go on to the next issue here. Number 29 is called Morning Star. Uh, this is the first part of a two-issue uh, series here, and um, it's a it's a it's a werewolf by night story. Now, yeah. before we go into it, I just want to point out this cover. Um, this cover here is a, a famous cover because Bill originally had drawn the entire face of this, 
and I can't remember if he just didn't like it or if he accidentally spilled some ink on it or something like that, but he ended up having to black out the entire thing. And it actually makes it more frightening just seeing the eyes and the teeth. <laughs> yeah. And then just like blood dripping out yeah. of it, like nowhere. So it's it's kind of a cool yeah. little mistake or whatever. Yeah. Because I mean, if you compare it to the preview uh, splash page, the preview ad from the last issue, which has quite a bit more detail on it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good and it's scary, but like the creepiness of just having the eyes coming out of nowhere is, is yeah. it really hits. It's great. So in this one, Jack Russell, who is the werewolf from the title Werewolf by Night, is being being hunted by a satanic cult and he contacts Moon Knight for help. This issue is for, you know, I think a lot of people can consider this two-parter the final issue of Moon Knight because this is the last issue of Doug and Bill together. Or yeah. sorry, this this two-parter is the last of Doug and Bill together. And it really sort of um, brings it full circle, right? Absolutely. Moon Knight starts off in Werewolf by Night. Yep. And now it's he's ending with Werewolf by Night. Yeah. And this is... a. Uh, um, you mentioned how the narration in the, this story is different than the last. Yes. And this is because this is how Doug narrated his uh, Werewolf by Night. Yeah. he He's bringing that over because this story is actually a Jack Russell story. It's not a Moon Knight story. Yep. It's narrated by Jack um, and, and, and told exactly in the same manner that Doug did in all throughout uh, Werewolf by Night. And we saw it a little bit in the last volume of uh, Moon Knight. I know that I mentioned it then, but... Uh... Um, it's it's very much the same kind of style that you would have had in like 40s and 50s radio dramas and and yeah. uh, almost um like it's it's related to like noir style narration but it's not quite the same yeah yeah you can tell that he's he's definitely familiar and comfortable uh falling back into werewolf by night which yeah. he hadn't at this point hadn't done for quite a while um, he even starts off his his different acts by saying first night and second yeah. night and third night because right. that's something that he did in every story of Werewolf by Night. Which is really nice to see because a lot of modern takes on werewolves is that it's only like the one day of the full moon, whereas like traditionally the uh, the the werewolves transform over the three nights, yep. the 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 actual full moon and the night before and the night after, and that's how he would structure his stories. Yeah, um, the werewolf would turn three times in a month, and that's. I think it the, also the helps three with acts this, of the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also helps just with because like if you you're not going to have your your main character not turn into a werewolf in one issue. So but, a month has to pass between right. each issue. And you don't want him to just necessarily stay as the werewolf the whole time as well. Yeah. Cuz that's too short a time period. So what he would normally do is that he would turn into the werewolf like it would the the opening of the story would be the first night and then Jack would wake up and he's like, what's going on? Something happened and I, something's, I don't know, I don't know where I am. And then it would be, and then the second night, uh, the, then he would unravel the plot and then he would get captured or something would happen to him. And then he would, the second night he'd turn into the werewolf again. And that's where the issue would stop to be continued. And then they would pick up in the next one. And then you do your dramatic conclusion of, of course, is third night. So back when he's human again, he sort of figures it all out. And then he yeah, gets his revenge. Exactly. And it was very formulaic in that sense. And Doug did a really good job of keeping it fresh, but staying with that formula. And that's what we see in this two-part story as well. It's pretty much the exact same method except um, with the backdrop of this satanic cult and Moon Knight helping him out. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting the names that they chose for some of these characters. 
we have uh, the Morning Star, uh, which is a biblical uh, name for for uh, Beelzebub, right? Sometimes, um, and his actual na- last name is uh, Beliel or Belial, I believe, and that is a Hebrew word meaning worthless person. Um, it's also the name of the leader of quote the sons of darkness, um, making him a prince of darkness. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like a, a a a name for a devil uh, or a demon, uh, and as as Modi as well as the Prince of Demons. Um, and uh, yeah, so... <laughs> they are all literally demons in the satanic that's, cult. That's right. Yeah. yeah. One thing I thought was really funny is that Crawley mentions that brutality rises during the full moon. And then Flint uh, says, Detective Flint says, people always get weird under a full moon. And <laughs> I don't know why this is the case, but I agree. Like working through, uh, working in retail for a number of years, you can you can sort of tell when there's a full moon. Like the weird people just come out and they have like the weirdest requests and the weirdest cases and things. I'm sure you see it as a teacher <laughs> as well with your students. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you're like, man, something's just off about today. And you look at the calendar, you're like, Oh, it is a full moon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So we were, I was saying that uh, Sienkiewicz was kind of playing it straight with his artwork in the last issue. Well, yeah. he's back to his old stuff. Totally. With this issue. Like the, the train yard at the beginning, what a great way to, to show mm-hmm. that train yard. It's just like swatches of, of lines and color, but you can tell exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, there is a scene, the, the title page where it's a two page spread mm-hmm. with the, uh, the werewolf kind of grabbing it. Oh, that was one so of those good. guys. It's just a very striking, uh, page. And then again, you know, there's this big white section. Yep. And that's where he puts the words. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really, really great. And, and, uh, things like the close up of the, the, the guy's face yep. on page, 176. Uh, one, on page 176. I thought that was great. And if you go to page 181, um, and Moon Knight's entering that house for the first time, mm-hmm. and then you get to that middle tier where uh, the, the panels start becoming uneven and... Like tilted in different directions. Tilted yeah. or like this, the lines aren't straight and they're not actually squares. They're like trapezoids or whatever and um, parallelograms. And, <laughs> and it's like, it, and as it goes on into the bottom tier... It, they become even more off kilter and like, and it's just to show that um, the that there's the, the, the house suspense. Yeah, the house is playing tricks on Moon Knight, and he's kind of getting afraid. And it's represented in the way that these panels are like shifted, so that there's not some there's something's mm-hmm. not right. Yeah, and then of and, course, and, of, and then the, the werewolf next page and burst plus, through the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's a it's a great thing. You turn over the page, and there's oh, yeah. werewolf. It's yeah. so well done. Um, and I also like how Bill draws the werewolf here, way more of a wolf character, whereas in Werewolf by Night, it was a way more of an anthropomorphic hairy person. Yeah, like uh, when Captain America turned into like the Captain Wolf, right? <laughs> that That's what this is more like. This one, because the, the features are just more wolf-like. Yeah. Even though it's an anthropomorphic wolf. Okay, there's a second story in this issue, which is too bad because it really breaks the flow of yeah. action. Uh, and it's not a, it's issues. not a bad backup story. No, it's not. But it's it, here's one thing about the epic collections is I appreciate that they put everything in the order as it was published. But in this case, I would have liked this story to be you know pushed to the back or something. So that the two-part story was actually together. together yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, this is called a colloquy. And a, a colloquy is a serious discussion or conversation. Yep. And um, we find Stephen Grant at home alone. Um, you know, he's... Uh, he's giving everybody the day off. He's giving everybody the day off or the night off. 
and he's just sitting there thinking and he starts sort of reminiscing about or 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 thinking about moon knight and his role and fate and destiny and all that kind of stuff and all of a sudden this ghostly apparition appears for him and it's mark specter and he has a conversation here with mark specter and actually also with jake lockley um, about um, Mark's reaction uh, to things and uh, how how he's just become so violent and violence is always his his reaction his go-to reaction um, yeah it's it's really interesting it's great because this is way more who wrote this one <laughs> is it Stephen Grant? Stephen Grant okay so this is weird because so I weird. feel like this is a way better understanding of the Moon Knight, uh, the relationship between the identities. Totally. If I had not seen that they were both written by the same person, I would not have guessed it. Yeah. Um, because this, this is how I think, this is how I feel Stephen Grant would be talking to himself. He yeah. he, he talks he, to somebody else. He hears the actual voices from these other personalities and he has conversations with them. Yeah. It's, he, yeah he's not narrating, I'm standing there holding the Moon Knight thing facing me. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. another guy here. And this further shows that this is an actual disorder rather than him playing roles. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which is a shame because this is like the second to last issue. <laughs> uh, for Doug. Well, yeah. I, well, yeah. But it's like if, if the series is, is uh, you know, we're, we're 30 issues in and uh, we're only finally starting to solidify some of these details. <laughs> if you even call it solidifying. I oh, don't, yeah. Like, actually, it's, they, it's, they do keep yeah. it kind of open-ended at the end. Um. Yeah, I don't know. They well, trying to solidify, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh. Anyway, issue thirty. Let's get back to the uh, werewolf. Yeah. So it's titled "The Moon Wraith: Three Sixes and a Beast." Uh. And so we pick up where we left off, and um. Uh. Moon Knight has werewolf by night at his house. He's just transformed again, and he's tearing the place up. So they have their their big brawl. Um, and, uh, they, they manage to not kill each other or anybody else during the night and they fall off a roof and wake up in the morning. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Meanwhile, the cult has assembled in New York because they're from LA. Um, and they're tracking the, the, yeah. the, that's, that's an interesting part is somehow, um, Jack Russell has had a, uh, a tracking device yeah, they, implanted in his yeah, they brain. Said he's been running around the world and he got caught in France for a bit. And so while he was caught in France, they put it in so they could track him. Yep. Yeah. They... And we finally sort of find out what the plan here is a yes, little bit. They want to, the Morning Star, that one guy, like the head of the cult, wants yeah. to tr have a blood transfusion with the werewolf so that he will be a an werewolf. uncontrollable werewolf yeah. or something. <laughs> but I mean, that's almost a bonus to him here, it seems. Right. And, he and so, uh, he so just wants the power. Yeah. He, well, he just, he just wants, I guess the to show that i have captured the werewolf in order to show that he's the chosen one to lead this cult right which sort of solidifies that power but then now that i have a werewolf why not turn into a werewolf, a werewolf as well yeah. <laughs> bonus yeah uh so they go through this whole thing of of trying to capture the werewolf werewolf gets away they try to hunt it down again blah 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 um, interestingly, they take out the chip and then, uh, Marlene hypnotizes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All of a sudden she's uh, Jack an expert Russell. hypnotist. Yeah. Cause, cause that's what she does. Why not? And she hypnotizes him so that the wolf will recognize Moon Knight as a friend. Yeah. Don't know why she didn't just make anybody else friends, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like yeah. hypnotize Morpheus so that he of Morpheus will be Moon yeah. Knight's friend. No. Or, or even hypnotize the werewolf so that like everybody's his friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just make him not dangerous here. Um, 
But uh, anyway, so then, you know, they go back and, and pretend that he's been captured and he beats everybody up. A lot of this issue is uh, in the rain, which for a comic book artist <laughs> is not an easy thing to do. Like rain is hard to portray when you're drawing it anyway. And it like you add too much and your page is a mess and you add too little and it doesn't look like it's downpouring. Bill's got this down. Oh though. man! Like he knows how to draw. You look a at page. Look at page two twenty three, and that is oh man, that is just yep. dumping rain there. Yeah, it, it's perfect, and it it suits Moon Knight just like it suits Batman. Uh, and then the, the very last page, like the with the, the water, yeah, running the water and, on the oh. street. You can see like the just the 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 reflection of the light off the the water. It's really really well done. Uh, and really cool panel arrangements on some pages too. If you go to page 203, um, there's just a really cool uh, sequence on this page here. Yeah, um, I was going to mention that with, uh, and again, playing around with color. Yeah, because each one of the, you see um, the guys coming out of the airport and the guy getting into a taxi. Each one of these is a different member of the cult. And it's basically the same panel and Bill has just given them different, different hair. Uh, yeah. Not even faces. You can't see the faces, I don't think. Well, you can um, see a little bit. But it's basically just it's different hair. Facial hair and stuff, yeah. And, but it's, each one of them is represented by different color so yeah. that you know that they're different people. And you see here, like, Blue arrives um, at the airport, gets in a cab, and then Blue arrives at the hotel. Yeah. And then Pink arrives at the airport and gets into a cab, and then Pink arrives at the yeah. hotel. And, yeah. and the panels are offset, yeah. so you know that time has passed. So at the same time that Blue is arriving at the hotel... Green is getting into an into a cab. Yeah, it's at, so at the clever. Airport. Yeah, it's it's really neat. I also thought on uh, page two twenty two, um, as you go through sort of the top four panels, uh, really good use of different points of view and gives a really nice contrast. So in the first one, you have something from the wolf's point of view as he's grabbing onto the the rope. Then you get sort of a street view looking up to the sky. Yeah. Then you get from the roof looking down at the cop cars. And then you get uh, another one back on the roof from a third person watching Moon Knight. I really like that contrast. Again, it goes kind of back to when we were talking about in, um, I think it was issue 24, um, with the uh, uh, flat iron building and uh, the, the, the curvature and everything. Yeah. Yep. Same kind of thing here where just showing the different angles uh, uh, really helps to make it stand out a little more. You know, you could have, if you're showing the cops, you could have just shown it from slightly above where they are and, you know, they're getting out of their car or whatever. But here you're looking at so far away that you can't even really tell the cop the, those are police cars. Right. Yeah. I like on page 219, if you, if you go to page 219, yeah. that splash page, you see all the cult members on the bottom there. And it's just, he uses the same effect that he does um, often, like with the cover to issue 24, where the, the red dress bleeds into the red background. Mm -hmm. Well, these guys, all of their red, their black cloaks, their black hats bleed into each other. And to, into the background. To give it yeah. some negative space. Um, and really, the perspective is, is portrayed by the rain that's yeah. coming down. Yeah. And I think that's really it, cool. It does too. a really good job of really helping it feel claustrophobic. Yes. Like you, you almost can't see the ground. You're definitely up high. You're definitely looking down on them, but you almost can't see the ground because there's so many cult members. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, it makes me sad that this is the last bill issue. Oh, totally. Because there's just so much potential. And, uh, and it's, you know, he goes on to really cool things. He'll, Move on to um, New Mutants, where he'll mm -hmm. do the Demon Bear Saga. Yes. And that is another really excellent story. And that movie's supposed to be coming out soon. Sometime, hopefully. <laughs> it's, it's been years. Yeah. 
Um, that's it. Yeah. That's that's our episode for today. I I think, like I said, these are I think, except for that one issue written by Stephen Grant, the yeah. kind of the fill-in issue there. This is kind of my favorite part of this whole Moon Knight volume. Yeah, it's good. Like it's a, it's a bunch of great issues strung together. Yeah. Amazing artwork. Even if you're not a fan of, like I guess a lot of the readers at the time, if you're not a fan of sort of the slightly more horror aspect to it, the art is just amazing. Yeah. It's unlike anything you see in comics. And yeah. And Bill just keeps on getting better and better. I follow him on, on Instagram and the stuff that he posts on a daily basis that's just like, doodles are they're, they're frameable masterpieces yeah <laughs> um but yeah so i am the, the next issue that we're going to talk about is going to be the the last half of this issue it is um the the final issues of doug mensch's run and then uh, looking at tony isabella who takes up the reins and kind of as the series collapses i guess <laughs> in on itself yeah so we'll talk about that uh next week and uh, and we'll have a good time with that yeah and we'll be finished all of the moon knight oh, epics no. we'll see what happens after that and we'll have to start looking at the uh the modern stuff yeah <laughs> mark, mark specter moon knight from the 90s yeah great thanks everybody for checking us out and listening in and uh please uh follow us on social media and uh, and be a part of my Facebook Epic Collection group if you search for Epic Collections on Facebook. And other than that, thanks for tuning in. Goodbye. Goodbye.